welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. My name is Lizzie. And my name's Stacia, and we are your friends and co-hosts in all things wellness weirdness. And today we are continuing the conversation on sexual wellness by opening it up to the topic of pornography. So for me, this is definitely an issue that is in a way near and dear to my heart as it's been something that has impacted my life and my relationships. And it's something I've done a lot of research on and it's something that I don't think is talked about enough. So I am very excited to be able to open up that discussion for all of our lovely listeners and hopefully teach you a thing or two, maybe get you to be a little bit more mindful about how you view pornography. And again, disclaimer for the episode, this is definitely from a like non-judgmental, non-morality, non-secular, non-kink-shaming <laughs> viewpoint because it's important that I preface that because I think a lot of times we're afraid to talk about things like pornography because of like sex and taboo and all these things. Mm -hmm. And so this is this had like my opinion about this and the research that I've seen done on it is not from a shame based like you shouldn't look at porn. It's bad. It's a sin. And that it's really just about increasing our porn literacy and things like that, which we'll discuss more in this episode. Yeah. Well, and that's also what I love about you, Stacia, is like we're not just you know, talking about our opinions on this, which isn't a bad thing, but Stacia has also taken a lot of time to find some really good research and resources to share with us about why this is important and how it impacts people, which I think, you know, when you're talking about anything, but especially wellness tends to be so much just like word of mouth and random, like, is this actually good for you? <laughs> or is someone just saying this? Or is this the truth? So I do think it's really important that we continue educating ourselves. And I also want to give a quick little disclaimer, guys. This is actually the second time we're recording this <laughs> because I'm not going to name any names, but I <laughs> had some technical difficulties last time, that we, the first time we recorded this, and part of my audio got cut out. So this first little bit of the episode is our second recording. So if we repeat things later in the episode, just know that's why you're hearing two different weeks of conversations melded into one conversation. And I think it is so perfect that this happened though, because it was interesting as I was going through my audio to see what it was that we discussed exactly. It was very apparent how nervous I was. And it was really interesting. I could hear my voice shaking. I could hear these like this labored breathing, like every time in between a sentence, it was like <gasps> gasping for air. And I was like, damn woman, like you totally. need to calm down. And I remember doing the episode and as we got into it, relaxing a bit more and becoming more comfortable. But honestly, this is something that is a little difficult for me to talk about because of just how directly it has impacted me. And I think that it was just, I didn't know that it would be so apparent in the audio. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, maybe this is a sign from the universe that like now that I've kind of gotten the jitters out, yeah, we can go maybe. back and do it again. <laughs> and it'll sound a little less Stacia being terrified and Stacia being a little bit more confident and empowered to like speak her message. So we're here. Yeah, <laughs> we are here. And I will say, guys, like that is it's such a fun part, but also such a bananas part of our uh, podcast. And just doing this is it it can be really vulnerable. Like some of the well, it is really vulnerable. Some of the things that we share and that we talk about, like Stacia and I, I know sometimes my friends will say that they listen and it's like, you guys sound so comfortable talking about these really deep topics. And it's not necessarily that it's comfortable for us. But we do think it's really important and we want to normalize these conversations. We want all of us, ourselves, 
and you guys to get comfortable talking about these things with your friends, your partners, your loved ones, because sexual wellness is part of wellness and all of the different topics that we cover in our episodes, we think are really important pieces of your wellness puzzle. So I didn't notice that you were nervous though, Stacia. I like genuinely, when you were telling me, you were like, oh my gosh, the audio. I was like, wow, I really could not tell. You seemed cool as a cucumber. Yeah, no, I was terrified. And so like, I feel more calm and relaxed to discuss it this time around. Like I'm a little bit more centered because again, like I said, I think it triggered a lot of things within me that Mm -hmm. come up from like my past relationships and just how harmful porn has been on me trying to have meaningful intimate relationships with men so yay yeah so let's (laughs) now that you've just talked about that let's really dive into it so last our last episode well two episodes ago the last episode that you guys have heard was our sexual wellness episode where we started to just discuss sexual health what that means what that looks like the different facets of it opening up that conversation. And then that led into Stacia saying that she would like to discuss porn as it relates to sexual wellness in this episode. So Stacia, do you want to talk a little bit about like what inspired that and why you're so educated on this topic and passionate about it? Mm-hmm. I would love to. So for me, it was something that came really to light the harmful effects and the negative impact of pornography when I was in my last relationship. And it was interesting as I learned more and more about it, I was able to see other relationships where I definitely was, it was something that was running rampant in all of my relationships. And like before I had no idea that that was even a part of my relationships because in my last relationship, it was something that my partner realized was a very big problem for them. And so like anything that I'm speaking of as far as my last relationship, that person has openly talked about on their own social media platform. So I'm not putting anybody on blast by being like, hey, my ex was a porn addict. Like he talks about it openly and his struggles with it. Right. So just disclaimer there as well. I'm not that kind of ex. So just not like air- we're not airing <laughs> out everybody's secrets here. Yeah. And actually, that's a really good point. We do if we are ever sharing like a personal anecdote of that's not ours, we do check in to make sure that people are OK with us sharing it. And there has been stuff, too, that we've cut out before because we're like, oh, I shouldn't be sharing that person's story on my podcast. Yes. So, and especially like my ex was a part of a 12-step program, which the whole idea behind a 12-step program is that it's anonymous. So of course I would never openly put someone else on blast through their own recovery that they have not been speaking of. So again, I won't speak to his recovery or his journey, but I will speak to how it impacted our relationship and was a huge barrier to creating intimacy with each other. And so like for me, it was really interesting because in college, actually, I was reflecting about this and my boyfriend in college, definitely there were a few times where these things came up that were like, whoa, this person has a serious problem. And I didn't know how to understand it or to like put words to it or speak to it. But it was crazy reflecting back and some of the things that came up like Craigslist casual encounters and when I would open his web browser and it was all porn and webcams. And I was like, this is weird. But like also being like, I don't know what this means. And it was really interesting because reflecting back on it, I couldn't comprehend it because for me, I was like, we had sex all the time. Like we had a very sexually fulfilling relationship. And that's the thing with porn is that it's not about sex and it's not about sexual desire. It's 
my understanding of it is that it's an impulse rooted in insecurity and low self-worth. And Interesting. Uh, so because I, that was like the hardest part for me to comprehend it uh, is I was like, there is nothing lacking in our sex life. And it was the same with my last relationship. And I'm very sex positive. I enjoy it. So again, if it's not a big element of your relationship, that's totally fine. But for me, it was a very important part of the relationship. So when it felt like, oh, like there's something there that's lacking, it was never actually about the sex. And so I just think it's really interesting to note that and observe that. And again, that's speaking from my experience. And so then... It's interesting reflecting back on that all and being like, oh my God, like it was as early as college. And like I mentioned later in the episode, codependents enter into relationships with addicts. Like that is a match made in heaven. Lucky me. (laughs) Like we love to see people with problems and be like, I'm going to be the one to fix them. I'm going to fix you. It's going to be romantic. It's going to be beautiful. Our egos love that challenge. Um, We also (laughs) are so, I mean, I feel like our generation was so sold that in the media of like that being what a meaningful relationship looks like as a side tangent. But. Uh, yeah, 100%. And so it's just looking back through all my relationships, seeing that that was definitely something that all the men that I dated struggled with. And I would say that it has been made clear to me based on like what I read, that it is something that a lot of people do struggle with. And so again, I believe we mentioned it later in the episode, but if Porn addiction is something that you struggle with. There's a lot of support out there for you. So like you are not alone. So for me, it definitely got brought to a head. Like why I became so passionate and able to speak on it was because of my most recent relationship. And it really negatively impacted my relationship with my last partner. And I think that it honestly really negatively impacted my partner when he would share about his struggle and the things that he was going through. You know, it just really fueled his anxiety, depression, self-worth, self-esteem issues. Yeah. And like watching the person he was when he was in his addiction versus the person he was when he was recovering from his addiction were two different people. Wow. And uh, so that was when it made me be like, oh, this is a real thing that people struggle with that like destroys lives and destroys healthy relationships. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that, especially since A, I was trying to have a healthy relationship with this person. I found it really interesting in doing some research. They talk about how like with big tobacco, for example, cigarettes were invented and everybody was like smoking them. And then all of a sudden, years later, they find out all these harmful side effects. And so for me, I feel like porn has kind of taken the same route where it's like, oh, and now suddenly we're in this place where all this research is being done to show the harmful effects of it. And it's like kind of like, oh, wait, no, we should actually be paying attention to this and being more mindful mindful of the culture we are creating around pornography because for me that's kind of where the bigger problem comes from it's not just about like explicit images being harmful it is about what the porn industry is actually rampant with which is a lot of sexual violence against women and others and the objectification of women and others and so it's something that it's not just about sex it's perpetuating a culture that really is not necessarily the healthiest for people to be consuming on a consistent daily basis. Right. That's so fascinating. Well, and I do think this reminds me so much of our sexual wellness episode and conversation because at least from my experience, I feel like porn is very common, but it's not something that we know how to talk about or we, you know, no one talks about it. So you don't know, like, is this person's usage or relationship with this quote unquote normal? Like, how do I 
sort of meld this into a healthy sexual relationship. It's just such a taboo topic that nobody knows how to address it. And it's hard to ask like your girlfriends, for example, you know, does your partner do this? That's it's a really vulnerable conversation to have. And so I think it is one of those places where we just get stuck and don't know what to do. So I so appreciate you like sharing more information on this. One of the things that I found, and I'm going to share the resource because through my ex-boyfriend, he had found this organization called fightthenewdrug.org. And well, I guess that's their website, but the company is Fight the New Drug. And it's been an awesome resource for me to learn more about, but they're like on the same page that they are not religiously affiliated, legislatively affiliated, or morally obligated to spread the message that they do. They are just sex positive. They want people to know know the facts and to decide for themselves. And I think that that's what's really important. But it's kind of scary when they have an article on how porn affects society and this is done. Everything is with peer reviewed research and they cite all their sources, which I think is really awesome. But they had and just so you know, this obviously was a few years ago because they're like a team of research looked at the most popular porn films, the ones bought and rented most often. And I'm like, wow, well, the industry has changed a lot. But it was really interesting because from that group, they randomly selected 50 of the most popular films and analyzed them. And of the 304 scenes that the movies contained, 88% contained physical violence. On top of that, 49 contained verbal aggression. In total, only one scene in 10 didn't contain any aggression. And the typical scene averaged 12 physical or verbal attacks. Whoa. One scene managed to fit in 128 attacks. It is important to note that the majority of the physical and verbal acts in these scenes were directed at women and that viewing this type of dehumanizing content not only normalizes dominance and abuse, but it also connects these acts to love and intimacy and can set the stage for eventual acceptance of violence and aggression in both in relationships and as normal and accepted behavior in society. It is only in my opinion, gotten worse with just the accessibility. And again, so many people are creating content that can just be uploaded onto websites and consumed. So it's not even necessarily the professionals that are creating this. And so like it really starts to become a gray area and there's like so little actual oversight to what is produced and put out there. And so I think if we think about porn, we almost think about it in outdated ideas of like, oh, you have the movies, you have the magazines, and there's always like a production team. But now, yeah, yeah. but now it has morphed (laughs) into something else as well as I remember. So in Vegas, they have like a bunch of conferences and one of them, I can't remember what the actual name is, but it's for the porn industry. I know exactly which one you're talking about, because when I was in Vegas working for that, I was consulting with a lube company and we were at CES. Everybody was like, oh, you should come back to like whatever con. It's like a sex conference. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really interesting because I've seen people go to that and footage from it. And I think it's that whole idea that the porn industry gets glamorized almost. And like, especially for women to participate in it, that it's a way to make money. It's a way to get your name out there and to create notoriety. And it's like seen as this sexy, fun option without ever giving you a disclaimer of what it actually entails and how 
harmful even being a participant in creating it can be. I really like had no insight into that until there's a it's like a docuseries on Netflix called Hot Girls Wanted by Rashida Jones is one of the producers and she's Anne from Parks and Rec if you're like who is this but it's a docuseries and it follows all these like really young women who want to make money and want to be famous and they get sucked into the porn Mm -hmm. industry and it, it you know, it follows them through like, who's the guy managing them. It's like all of these girls living in this house together. And like, do you know how they're communicating with their family? And that really opened up my eyes to like how unregulated and truly bonkers the industry is. Like there are so many, to your point, Stacia, different facets of it and different like levels of it that we don't, it's not all like highly produced and highly professional. And so watching that I highly recommend you guys watch it I think it there's like a documentary and docuseries it's like nice multiple things but it's really really good it really like informed me a lot I think that that definitely sounds like it offers an incredible insight and kind of the behind the scenes because I think that more people are kind of opening up and talking about their experience within the porn industry and I think it's something that is often glamorized and seen as like a way to make good money but that's often a lie that's being sold by the industry and I recently saw a lot of different press based on Mia Khalifa who was once like one of the top rated performers on Pornhub and now she's just trying to go and like live her life normally and just life after porn and I know different people I feel like even Pamela Anderson came out to be like yo you guys this was really messed up and all these honest conversations of people that were vulnerable and exposed to things that they didn't quite understand what they were agreeing to. And so I just think her, if you look at Mia Khalifa and just there's a lot of different articles kind of about her experience and she can talk on it better than I can for her. But it's just really interesting that she like talks about how those are going to haunt her till the day she dies. And it's not even necessarily just about like, oh, I'm embarrassed. It's just really honestly, I think uh, hopefully we're helping to just pull the veil back a little bit to have you think of what actually goes into creating porn and the people who become affected by it. I think that's really interesting too, because we often hear about like Kim Kardashian and how she had a sex tape and how it made her famous. And now she has all of this money. And I feel like that's at least in my experience, my consumption of media, like the primary story that we hear around all of this, like this happened and now she is like one of the wealthiest women in the entire universe. And it's not always super positive. And I also wouldn't be surprised if at some point Kim Kardashian speaks out on her own experience being in a porn video, because I'm sure that that was, you know, as she gets older and has children, her views around it maybe have changed. I noticed, Asia earlier as we were talking and also as we were prepping for this episode, you had a lot of notes around porn literacy. And like, personally, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so if you could share what porn literacy is and why it's important, I think that would be super, super helpful. Yeah. So for me, porn literacy, again is essentially the idea that there should be enough information surrounding it and being taught on it so that you can make a choice around whether or not Mm. you want to consume it. Interesting. So if you don't have the literacy to speak on it and to know about its effects and you just know it as porn, then you aren't going to have the knowledge you need to make a decision. So like, here's the thing. Think about, I'll go back to the cigarettes. Even though people know that they kill them, they still continue to smoke cigarettes, knowing that it is incredibly harmful for their health. 
health. So I'm not saying that by knowing all the harmful effects of pornography, suddenly everybody's going to stop consuming porn. But I do think that it's important to understand and know what those are so that you can choose whether it's something you want to consume or something you don't want to consume. And I think it's really cool if you look it up, there's a lot of programs currently that are aimed towards teaching porn literacy to the youth of America. That's so important. And I think that that is really, really awesome. And just along with like our whole conversation last week on sexual wellness and sex ed, et cetera, et cetera, that including an aspect of this would be really important. And it's just like breaking down like, hey, this is what goes into a scene before you actually like consent is made. They get regularly tested. All these things that the unsexy side of it, quote unquote, and And being able to understand that so that you can be a more conscious consumer if you choose to do so, I think is really, really important. Because again, I don't think it's something that people really know much about until they have an experience where it really comes to light that it's extremely problematic. Like in my last relationship, it was very much so one of the main reasons that like there was not an ability for like true intimacy or connection. It was a huge barrier to that. Yeah. And it also led to not so great behavior on his part. Again, it's complicated. And so it's not like porn makes people bad in relationships. Like there's a lot of things that go into play into it. It's just something that certainly does more harm than it does help. Yeah. And so for me, it was just... It was really hard being in a relationship with someone and knowing that that was an addiction that they struggled with. So again, side note, codependency. So something really cool about that is that you tend to pick partners with addictions. So for me, (laughs) (laughs) because we just good codependent people love to try and fix people. So we're like, oh, yes, you have a host of problems. You're broken. Come to (laughs) me. (laughs) Let me fix you so I can feel good about myself. So (laughs) hence why I ended up in a lot of relationships with people that I know struggled with this. And it just, it, it was really interesting being with somebody who then went through recovery for it and seeing the difference. And like, I honestly can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is 100% of a difference between who my ex was when he was consuming porn and who he was when he was not. It was night and day. I could tell from a mile away. Like, I literally could tell within a sexual encounter we had whether he had watched porn or not based on how he treated me. That's so insane. And so for me, it's just, it really became something where I was like, this is such a barrier to healthy relationships. And as a recovering codependent, one of the main reasons we it start our recovery journey is because we have a desire to have healthy relationships. And so that's why I became really passionate about this because to me, it tends to be a really big barrier to achieving that. That makes sense. And it's really interesting if you go to like Fight the New Drugs Instagram account and all their posts and you see so many people commenting being like either A, I'm struggling or B, Mm. I've been porn free for this long and it's changed my life or like I was in such a bad place and finding this resource and the strength to quit has completely turned my life around. I like no longer want to kill myself like these crazy, crazy revelations. And then you have people like Terry Crews, who has spoken very openly about his own struggles with porn addiction and how they negatively impacted his relationship with his wife. And like, I think he speaks on it very, very candidly and beautifully. And I love his 
his insight and his input because it is so important for men to be speaking up about these struggles because it is something that more negatively impacts them. And then they bring that out into the world and in a world that is still ripe with misogyny and sexism, you know, it just feeds a culture where women are therefore objectified. And again, that's the majority of the cases that does happen to men. And I would never want to discount that. But again, most of what the depictions are, are going to be against women. That's so interesting. Have you seen the movie Don John? It has like Scarlett Johansson and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. God, I can't remember. I want to say that I have... I remember it, but I can't, if I did, I didn't really like pay much attention because I can't yeah. recall much. <laughs> as you were talking, I like I totally for, had forgotten about it as a movie, but it's a movie where it's the only time I've ever seen this portrayed in film, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt has like a crazy sex addiction. And in the Wikipedia, it says, in fact, John is a porn addict and has never had a genuine relationship with a woman. And so the whole movie is about him like falling in love with Scarlett Johansson and like how does he have a relationship with her and he she catches him watching porn a couple times and it just like remembered it as you were talking about it. But I think your point about not being able to have genuine relationships or like genuine intimacy is something that like it's easy when you're consuming any type of media to not really think about how it will impact your life outside of like the act of consumption, which is why I would love to know can porn be addictive and like how and why is it addictive? Of course. So again, I'm not an expert on the science behind it, but I have done a lot of reading because that's one of the fight. The new drug does a lot on the effects on the brain that I think is like so fascinating. And so it's been struggling to be recognized as an addiction because for a really long time, addiction was qualified as a substance. Like it had to be a substance. You couldn't be addicted to a behavior, but now they're slowly starting to expand like things like gambling. So gambling starts to trigger the same reward response. And so they, as they start to study the brain more, they start to see that the same things are being fired up with gambling as with drug use. And so it isn't just about ingesting substances that can be addictive. It is, they are like expanding a lot to include more behavioral things. And it is really interesting because they've done brain scans and it starts when you consume porn, it triggers the reward center to start pumping out dopamine. And so then all these other things start to happen. And I don't want to get too scientific or technical because it gets a little heavy here. But again, after the dopamine is released, another chemical or a protein is created that's called delta Fos b And so that builds new nerve pathways to mentally connect what someone is doing to the pleasure that he or she feels. So like, oh, mm. watch porn feels good. But that delta Fos b has another job and it builds up. And that can cause lasting changes in the brain and leave the user more vulnerable to addiction. And so when you are overloaded with dopamine, the brain will try to defend itself by releasing another chemical called Kreb. And it puts the brakes on a runaway reward center and slows the pleasure response. So once that gets enacted, and again, there's a point to this because there's another point I want to make about why porn can be so harmful. Yeah. And it's once you've added Kreb into it, porn that once excited a person stops having the same effect. 
And so they partly, scientists believe that that's partly why consumers have to keep increasing their porn intake to get aroused. So they become like more tolerant to it the same way you like build up. Yeah, you build up a tolerance to things and then you need a like a bigger dose and a bigger hit of it. Right. And again, so if you want to like, this is the science behind it. If you want to put it to a real life situation, like when I was discussing with my ex-boyfriend, he talked very much so about how as he got deeper and deeper into it, the weirder and weirder the pornography got. That's so wild. And the more and more that it took in order for him to like be interested in it. So it like starts off pretty simple, pretty safe, like pretty generic, just like watching your good old sex scene. And then it's slowly, 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 you start to get more and more into the darker side of pornography. And it was really crazy hearing his stories about it where you're just like, oh my God. So like, besides the fact the science is there, there's a lot of evidence of personal stories and personal accounts of people like eventually getting into bestiality or like Mm. youth and like all these weird things. And I'm not saying that that's what happened with my ex, but like you just start needing more and more. Right. And therefore, in my opinion, it seems like it is a very addictive thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like with teenage boys, how when they're like very first going through puberty, like anything and everything will arouse them. And then it's like, yeah, you just get desensitized. So that totally makes sense. And I just, I, to go back to your point earlier about like sex ed, it is pretty crazy that we just don't talk about porn because again, it's like, I feel like every male I know, this is like such a generalization, but I feel like all of my really close guy friends or like males in my life, I have heard talk about porn. And I feel like women don't really talk about porn, at least in my experience, in my circles. And so it is wild. I remember like being in high school and all the guys talking about porn. It was like such a cool thing to talk about. And it's so weird that they're all doing it, yet we don't talk about like healthy ways to be consuming it or what you should know or it's just one of those things that's like not talking about it isn't making this any better so we might as well have really open discussion about it yeah I think that you hit the nail right on the head because I'm like you know what it's been made blatantly clear that pretending like something doesn't exist or that there isn't a problem does not make it go away right well and even like to kind of flip back you know you and I talk about like body image stuff so much like from a female perspective like Porn actresses often have the most insanely like perfect bodies. They have flat stomachs. They have no body fat. They're totally hairless. They have perfect hair. And so then it also, if you're a young girl seeing this, you're like, this is what I need to be doing. And this Mm -hmm. is what I need to look like. And I need to have this like really sexy underwear all on all the time. It like also really changes how you think you should be interacting in sexual relationships for sure. 100%. And also, again, the idea that porn perpetuates if you are a woman consuming it is that it's a performance. And so then it becomes way less about your own pleasure and about performing for somebody. And it for sure, there's a ton of pressure. Like how many times I waxed and sugared and shaved in order to like be what I thought was supposed to be desirable. Right. And like that is 100% fueled by the porn industry and also hella creepy. Like I look back on it and I was like, so yeah, the infantilizing and fetishization Mm -hmm. of women to be children. Right. Because guess what? You only don't have body hair when you are a prepubescent child. Yeah, when you are a bebe. <laughs> and it's like, that's really just like, that's yeah, crazy. That's a whole nother I know. story. <laughs> I actually have heard so many of my friends and like people I follow online share that like 
you know, everything has been shut down for months now. And so a lot of people have not been able to get their regular waxing appointments. And I've heard so many women be like, I thought that I loved being waxed, but now that I like haven't been able to go and I'm not like super hairless, I actually like this. And it's just like so many people I think are realizing like, I like my natural body or like women who haven't been able to get their hair colored or like, oh, I thought I hated my natural hair color, but I really like it. And so I think it's just been interesting. I've seen a lot of conversation on the internet about like pubic hair lately in regards to quarantine and just not being able to get waxed. And I think a lot of people are just like, wow, I've saved time, money, pain, Mm -hmm. and I do not (laughs) mind this one bit. Yeah, pain. (laughs) I mean, it is pretty crazy when you think about like, going to get a wax, you're amping yourself up. The place that I go, they give you alcohol if you want it, like, so that you can like chill yourself out I mean, before think you go. Which is like virgin with Steve Carell. Like that yeah. shit's painful. Yeah. <laughs> also, did you know that's really him getting waxed in yes, that scene? That's beautiful. for real wax. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but no, totally. And I, I just remember the first time I went, they were like, do you want like a glass of wine or a shot of vodka? And I was like, what? And then I got my wax and I was like, oh, I see why people do this, but also how fucked up that we're doing something to ourselves that we need to like be drunk for because it's so painful. Yeah, no, I, for me, I moved past that idea probably. It honestly was actually fueled by being in my last relationship because I was like, you know what? I didn't send my ex naughty pictures. I didn't I didn't do certain things because I was like, I'm not going to perpetuate the culture that porn has created in your life to right. fulfill that fantasy. Like I'm going to be me and I'm going to be real and body hair is real and uh, all these other aspects of it. And so that's what made me think a lot more mindfully about like, why am I choosing to do this to my body? Like, is this for me or is this for making my body an object and all these other things? And so like, again, whatever choice you make, that is yours to make. But I just think it was one of those like common themes of porn was like, okay, you should be hairless. And so many women just adopted that as like what needs to be done to be seen as attractive. Mm -hmm. And like, even in our society and in our culture, like there's a lot of outward disgust from men when there's women with body hair, whether it be armpit hair or whatever else. Your back is hairy. Like I can see your Your back hair climbing out of your collar, (laughs) which is not a problem, but like, don't be judging me for having hair. Yeah. Yeah. It is such a good like lesson. And I think this is a lifelong process of being like, do I truly feel beautiful or like, do I truly enjoy this like outfit or food or whatever? Or is this like society telling me how I should, you know, look or like to your point, do I really, am I really experiencing pleasure or am I putting on a performance, which is just so insane. It's crazy. And I remember like, again, I haven't consumed much porn, but I just remember my friend talking about how her and her boyfriend, this was a long time ago, had like gone away for a weekend together and they were watching this porno and this like poor girl was just being like repeatedly hit in the face with a dick while she's like obviously slightly uncomfortable, but like trying to act like she's enjoying it and like all this crazy stuff. And they're like, it was really weird to watch. And I was just like, why are people watching this? Like the expectations that it sets are like so wild. And that again, like from personal experience, there were situations without going into too much detail where 
like were devastating for me because of how I was treated. Yes. yeah, And because I was like, oh my gosh, like you only see me as an object here to fulfill your pleasure. Like you don't care whether I'm comfortable. You don't care whether I'm enjoying myself. And again, it's more complicated than just pornography, because I would say that my ex, without having him being truly diagnosed, there's definitely some borderline narcissistic personality disorder going on there. And so that might have to do with why he didn't give a crap about me or my pleasure. But it's like, this is somebody I'm supposed to feel safe with. This is somebody that's supposed to care about me. And I just think that like, especially by the depictions in porn, that that is not shown as an aspect of it at all that you are supposed to care and you're supposed to want the other person to be enjoying themselves as opposed to just taking it. And I think, um, yeah, I think you're the, the fact that you described it as devastating is like so perfect because it is devastating when you're, especially when you're just beginning to like explore your own sexuality and intimate relationships when something really terrible like that happens. I can, I feel like every female friend I know has had some experience where they're like, yeah, he did something super like intense that I think he thought was sexy. That was like really scary. Like even in the show, um, euphoria, there's a scene where, one of the main characters, a female character, is in, like, one of her first sexual encounters with who ends up being her boyfriend, and he, like, tries to choke her, and she's like, I do not like that. Like, please stop. And he's like, oh, I just, I thought that girls liked that. And she's like, if I want you to do something like that, I will ask you, but otherwise just assume that I do not want it. And I was like, first of all, get it, high school girl, for being that ballsy. But it was like, it was a really good example just of, you know, something happening that somebody, and again, he's a high school boy um, in the show, had seen in porn and heard his friends talk about. And there's like this whole scene leading up to it where they're like, yeah, she really like likes to be like slapped around and all of this stuff. And he genuinely thought he was trying to please her. Like he genuinely thought that's what she wanted. And she was like, why the fuck would I want that? No. Mm -hmm. And I think that the unfortunate part about it is that it's like great that she was able to speak up. But I think the reason so many women feel like they can't is like, honestly, it can feel dangerous. Yeah. 100%. Because again, most men, especially if their sex is fueled by porn, they are seen as the people in power and the ones that are there to demand what they want and what they need from the woman. And so if she does not comply, it can be dangerous to, and so it just is really, really crazy, but I'm really, I'm happy that they are showing more realistic sex scenes because I think that that is something that is so important because these are not conversations that people know need to be had. It's like, don't just assume because you saw it that that means your partner wants it. And there's a lot of things that you should actually be having conversations about. And like, honestly, if you can't have those conversations comfortably, maybe you shouldn't be having sex with that person. Oof, Stacia, such a good point. There's this quote I saw on Instagram, of course, um, last week that I just like keep ruminating over. And I feel like it's kind of relevant for this. I mean, I feel like it's relevant for every topic that we talk about, but it's, is my life a reflection of who I want to be or reaction to people I don't want to upset? And I think that that can absolutely apply to sexual relationships of like, is this what I want? Or do I just not want to upset my partner who maybe has a porn addiction or is watching a lot of porn and has certain expectations? And also like, It goes both ways. I feel like we don't often talk about women who are like really, really aggressive sexually, but that is 100% also a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think 
yeah, to your point, if you're going to be in mash in private parts with someone, you should be comfortable, like also having really vulnerable, raw conversations about your needs and your boundaries. Mm -hmm. And definitely, I mean, like porn addiction can also negatively impact women tremendously as well. And is very much so like on the Instagram that I mentioned, the fight, the new drug, they, they feature women and they, women talking about their struggles with pornography. And so it is very much so something that affects all groups negatively in my opinion Mm -hmm. 100% (laughs) and that uh, I do think that it is really important again that everybody increases their awareness and their literacy around porn so that we can all be more conscious either consumers or non-consumers because again this just fueled for me more reason why I continue to not engage in it and so for me I feel very comfortable and again like I love sex like I will be the first person to be mm, like mm, yes all day every day and so for me yes, this is a very <laughs> sex positive space yeah. everyone in case you haven't figured that out yet so for me it's not uh, diminishing any like it doesn't take away from my sex life not having it as a tool or something that I use just because I know too much and I've seen it harm too many people and you can't unsee it yeah and it's not something that is in alignment with the energy I want in my life and like the kind of consumption that I want in my life so amazing yeah and it all comes back to sexual wellness guys which is a huge part of your overall wellness as a human and everybody is in on their own journey I know that's like so cliche but everybody's on their own journey of figuring out like who they are and what they're comfortable with but I think at least being curious about understanding your own sexuality and your own preferences and what brings you pleasure like sexually but just in life in general is really important for understanding yourself so if you're listening to this and you're like why is this wellness podcast talking about porn? <laughs> that <laughs> is why. That was beautifully um, put. <laughs> thank you. Namaste. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else to share, Stacia? This was super, I learned so much from this. Like this was a fascinating topic and I can't wait to like continue reading all of the resources that you share. So it's, I think, so important. Yeah, I don't really have anything concrete to add, but just to remember that you are the person that gets to choose what you partake in and what you consume and what you give your attention to. And it's okay if A, this is something you yourself struggle with. There are so many awesome supportive resources out there, whether it be a 12-step recovery program, which I am all for. And as well as therapy, if you can afford it. But again, free support groups are really awesome. And a lot of other just resources to support you if this is something that you struggle with, or if it's something you think that your partner may be struggling with. There's a lot of resources. Honestly, within fightthenewdrug.org, they have a like, so you want to talk about porn, I think it is. I'll include the link, but it gives you like a literal play by play. So it's like, who do you want to talk to? And it's like a friend, your partner, your parent, like something about. So cool. Yeah. And then it gives you like a script and like ideas and how to approach it in a healthy, helpful way and all these things. So there's like so many freaking amazing resources out there to just further your knowledge as well as have difficult conversations with people that you think might need to be had. And so I just 
just hope that this encourages you to just think more mindfully about what you're consuming, especially in regards to porn and your own sexual wellness and your desires for intimacy and healthy relationships and how porn is a barrier to that. Yeah. And I think if you guys haven't figured out already, Stacia and I are very pro, like have the hard conversations with other people, with yourself, if it feels safe with other people, because that's where like the really good stuff often ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacia, what's your yay for the day? Oh my goodness. Uh, I feel like there, I have a, like a fair amount of yays, but. Oh, just say them all. Let's go down the list. Start, start with yay number one. First and foremost, I went on a fun camping trip the other day with my sister and her boyfriend and their cute, Aww. adorable pupper. And Caleb. I know Caleb was such a good little camper dog. And I'm so proud of him. He was the best. And uh, it was really nice. It was funny because we got up super early so we could go stake out a campsite at Lake Crescent and then we get there and they're all full and so we drive to the next campsite and it's closed and so we drive to the next one oh it was also full and then we drive to the next one and oh my god it was like basically in a parking lot and we're like this isn't what we're doing yeah and so then we drive to the fifth parking spot we've been driving for six hours now so it's like I was gonna say this sounds like an adventure it was very much so an adventure but very worthwhile it's one of those funny things where you're just like, oh, it was meant to be because we ended up in this beautiful campground. It was called Liar River Ground. Or River Ground, goddammit. Liar River <laughs> Campground. That's the cool. word I'm looking for. And so it was right on the river. So like as you go to sleep at night, you just hear this like like babbling brook sound. So it was like... Magic. And then like owls are hooting. And I'm like, I literally feel like I'm in like, an ambient noise, but it's real life putting real me life to sleep. Ambient <laughs> noise. Amazing. And so it was just a really, really beautiful secluded. And then it was free. And so like the fact what? we found a spot was absolutely mind boggling because I can't tell you how many cars drove down and like turned around because there were no spots and we we're like we did it it only took six hours and five be. spots but we finally found one <laughs> worth it in the long run it was just really really nice and then the next we went on a hike that day and then the next day we spent just relaxing by the lake and like lake crescent is a dream you guys if you are in washington yeah, so pretty it is unbelievably gorgeous the water is crystal clear and it is like such a nice temperature it was 75 degrees that day and I tried to get Caleb the pupper to go swimming it was so cute because he would just paw the water to see if his foot would like hit ground and he was like oh if it's not I'm not going any further and I like tried to encourage him to swim but he wasn't having it so maybe someday we'll get him to swim one day he'll I mean the fact that he put his water or his paw in the water is like a good sign yeah as the day went on he slowly started going a little deeper and a little deeper like he was getting more and more brave so it was just a nice escape to like like turn off from social media Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I think I saw this posted and then I think you reposted it recently as well, but it was something that I think was kind of where I was at mentally was this um, Instagram post about what's dangerous about doom scrolling is that repeated emphasis (laughs) on the importance of staying informed can easily trick you into thinking that endlessly consuming bad news on autopilot is a progressive moral duty 
when in actuality it's the digital equivalent of emotional self-harm. And so I think for me, I was just feeling really overwhelmed by everything going on and then like feeling like I'm a bad person for not staying informed. And so it was just a nice opportunity to just to again have the privilege to be like just turning off that for two days so that I don't have to stress myself out and be really overwhelmed by the state of the world because it's like it can become really debilitating and it It can has gotten to different points for me where I just like stare at the wall for five hours and I'm like what's the point? And so like, for me, having those moments where I can take some time for myself and be in nature and not connected to technology, it always provides such an amazing reprieve for me. So it was just the rest and relaxation that I needed to come back revived and ready to take on the world. so glad. (laughs) Yeah. And like with news consumption, it is like, especially right now, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like give yourself time. I've had to learn this the hard way. Give yourself time away from it so that you can like continue to learn and grow. But if we're just on it 24-7, it's a disaster, but it's so hard not to be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess that sums up my yay for the day and I would love to hear yours. Well, I have a comment on your yay for the day. So Maxie, our dog, our older dog is seven and a half and she like just started going swimming on her own. So there is hope for all your dogs. It might just take them a long time to get comfortable. But my yay for the day, I know she's such a little jelly bean. Um, My yay for the day is a little bit backwards. Like it's not going to sound like a yay, but it is. So last week after my back went out for like the one millionth time in the last few months, I booked an appointment with a chiropractor who my husband's family knows and a bunch of people that I know. And I've heard amazing things about him. So I finally went myself. I used to see a different chiropractor a long time ago. And I was diagnosed with scoliosis. (laughs) (laughs) which is is pretty crazy that I'm 30 and no one has really noticed it before. But I mean, my doctor like explained why, but rather than having a curve in my spine, my spine is twisted. So my shoulders point to the left and my hips point to the right, which is just like crazy, but it's a yay because I have since college been having worse and worse and worse back problems and it like the pain is getting stronger and it's like more debilitating and I was reflecting on it last night like often when these types of things happen at least for me I'm like this is my fault what did I do wrong like you know my back really hurt after station I went camping and I was like oh, I shouldn't have, you know, slept in this position or I didn't stretch enough. And it's been really nice these last couple of days to know that like I actually have something structurally wrong with my body and that it's not my fault. And also that I can like start to work with a professional to fix it. And I know some of you might be like listening and being like, why did she not go to a chiropractor before? I've gone to a lot of doctors about my back and had personal injury plan when I got in my car accident and I kept asking all of these specialists if I needed to see a chiropractor and everybody said no. So like I was going and getting medical massage for a really long time or all of these other things. So it just people kept telling me I didn't need x-rays and that I didn't need to see a chiropractor. And I finally just trusted my gut and was like, I'm just going to do this. And if it's nothing, I'll know that I went. And I'm really glad that I did because I got some really serious answers. And so this is just a reminder for you. If you have something that people keep telling you not to worry about, like go get it checked out. You deserve to know what's happening in your body. So that's my yay. I'm glad that I know like what's happening. And also that when I am in like a lot of pain, 
that it's not my fault for doing something wrong. I think that's amazing. And I loved seeing your post yesterday about it. I was like, thank you. I'll link it. Yes. And I think that that is so important that like, yes, it can be upsetting to know that that is something that now you have to deal with, but it also is incredibly empowering because now you know. (laughs) Right. Well, and I also think, I mean, honestly, this is a whole, I think we could cover an hour just talking about this, but I think in the wellness and fitness world, sometimes we're like, all of your problems, you can heal yourself, just do the right workouts or yoga or eat the right things. And when you're trying all of these different things and nothing's really helping, it can feel very much like it's your fault. And so it was really nice to know, like he was like, yeah, I mean, you can only like yoga this so far. Like he was like, yoga is really helpful, but it was really nice to know that like, okay, I'm not just crazy or not somehow trying hard enough. And I think as women, we do that a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I just need to try harder, especially being an Enneagram three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, it was just, it was really nice and reaffirming and also just reminded me that like, we don't have control over everything. Sometimes you do need help from somebody else. Love it. I love it. And what quick, a concept. <laughs> <laughs> and quick side note, uh, I just want to let everybody know that I introduced two new people to the Enneagram the other day. And I just feel like my work is slowly being done in this world. And they were like, oh, wow. And then the one person messaged me afterwards and they're like, I'm this. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And all these discoveries that they were having. And I was like, yes, everybody needs the Enneagram in everybody their life. Needs the Enneagram. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and also, guys, um, so you're going to listen to this on. Wednesday, August 5th, this episode drops. And on Thursday, August 6th at 5.30 p.m., Stacia is hosting a really awesome fitness event that I will also be at. It's virtual. Um, Stacia, do you want to tell them just like a quick little blurb about it? Of course. So Lizzie and I are joining forces and I am going to be leading the group in a 30-minute at-home bodyweight only exercise routine. And so it can be done anywhere by anybody. And I'm really excited about it. We're going to spend a few minutes in the beginning just talking about some of my tips and suggestions for just having a better relationship with exercise because most of us have grown up to have a great disdain for exercise. (laughs) And really, it's something that should be adding to your life, not taking away. So it's something I work really hard with clients on to heal their relationship with exercise so that they can approach it from a more joyful place. And so, yeah, we're going to sweat and have some fun together. So I would love for you to join us. And again, no intimidation. This isn't anything like super hardcore. I just want us all to get to smile and sweat and have a good time together. So join us. And I can just say as someone who's been trained by Stacia for over a year now, she is the real deal. Like my relationship with my body and with exercise and food has completely like 180 changed in the last year. And I attribute like all of that to her. So I think you guys will really enjoy joining her workout and just like learning a little bit more about her philosophy. Yes, it's going to be fun. And thank you for those kind words. You have been an amazing person Um, to work with. So thank you. I 100% mean it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for making me pick heavy shit up and then put it back down. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we are going to talk all about Big Magic, our July 2020 book read. Remember, you can read it at any point, any time that you want. Yeah, and we appreciate you. Thank you for your rates, reviews, and subscribes. And don't forget, hey, you got this. 
Hi, you guys. Stacia and I are so excited to share that we now have a Hey, You Got This podcast newsletter that you can sign up for. The link is in our show notes as well as our Instagram bio. And by signing up for our email list, you will be notified Every time a fresh episode drops, you will get extra show notes and details from each episode, along with some other fun and exclusive pieces of content from Stacia and I. Thank you so much for your support, and we can't wait to see you in your inbox. And in case you missed out on the exciting news from last week's episode, I do want to remind you that I am launching the Total Body Confidence Breakthrough Program, which is a highly interactive eight-week transformation opportunity that is filled with amazing work that I guide you in, as well as a more mindful, heart-centered approach to fitness and wellness that is going to have you feeling your best and feeling strong and confident inside and out. And I am so excited to be able to offer this to everybody. And really the best part about this is that we are going to be creating a community of women going through this together. And I am going to be there to support you along the way. So it is guided by me, but you have all the materials inside an online portal so that you have access to that for life. And it's a program that can be repeated for life. So if you are interested in learning more, definitely in the show notes, check out the link that goes to get you on the wait list if we aren't quite live yet. 